This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. And now, from beyond our dimension, this is the Jeff Mara Podcast. Here's Jeff. Today's guest is Christina Marie. Christina had a near-death experience just a little over two months ago, and today we're going to learn about it. Christina, thank you so much for joining us, and welcome. It's an honor to be here. Thank you for having me. All right. As you may know, my audience loves to hear about near-death experiences, so if you don't mind, um, can we start on the day that yours happened? So my near-death experience happened on May 18th of this year. It was a Tuesday. I happened to be at work that day. And it started at 12.15 p.m. However, I do want to talk about that surgery on the 13th. Mm-hmm. What, what caused my near-death experience was that I had an undiagnosed jawbone infection right up in my upper jaw here and I was in and out of the dentist and finally I wasn't getting answers so I trusted my gut instinct which I now know is my my soul that's what I one of the things I learned and so I trusted my gut instinct and I went to a second opinion dentist and that same day I went there he did an emergency surgery on my jaw and took so much of my jawbone out, he had to replace it with cow bone fragments and mesh. And the infection was caused by an overfilled root canal the year before. And the overfilled root canal went way out of the tooth root itself and embedded into my jaw, which created the infection. But after that surgery, within 24 hours, I felt like a brand new person first time in a year. So then May 18th, for me, it was out of the blue at 12.15 is when my near-death experience happened. And for six hours, Jeff, I I was fighting to keep my soul in my body because I was not ready to, to leave this world, even though the energy inside of me was blissful. God didn't even give me a choice. I just kept saying, I'm not leaving. And I'll talk more about that later. But what caused then the near-death experience is that even though my dentist did get all of the infection out of the bone, it had already spread to my blood. So while you were at work, did you just go unconscious or what happened? So this is going to be a very long near-death experience. It 
lasted almost six hours long. And Jeff, I'm going to need you to keep me on track because hmm. there's so many details and I, I do not have enough time to share everything. That's why I'm going to be writing at least three books for sure. But at 12.15 p.m., I started to feel this very, it started off as like a weird vibe, nothing too big, but I could sense it. And then it got worse so much where it was like a negative energy inside of my entire body. And I don't know what it was, but my soul and my brain knew that I was dying in that moment. And so I Googled how to get negative energy out of my body. And so my soul is already halfway out at this time because this article I came across, I was reading it on my phone and it was super long. It would never make sense to my brain today. But in that moment, everything I was reading, I thought was all about my past lives. And it was showing me partly that my soul was infinite, that there's more to this life than just, oh, I'm getting goosebumps then our there's more to this life than our physical dimension and it was this article was teaching me that i have been in life i've my soul has been alive the entire time and we're going back to the 17th century and to be honest history was my worst subject ever in all schools but everything i read made sense like the roman empire it was going back to um, renaissance it was going back to wars and i saw visions of what i thought was me in those times that the article was describing to me and i'll never forget this one vision of a man it was a military man that was in the front lines in the trench in the trenches i don't know what war it was I'm getting emotional already. I'm sorry. Uh, I thought that was me in a past life. In the last podcast, one of the previous podcasts I did, they told me that I'm not an expert, but they said reincarnation doesn't exist. That was your soul was just in those people's lives in all those moments because your soul is a helper and your soul was there then to calm them in a time of stress and need. I don't know. I, I'm not the expert. I would imagine. I assumed it was talking about all reincarnation. Anyway, this, this article I was reading and comprehending at speeds that I do not think is man-made or possible. I don't know how to explain it but everything made sense and it was like that. And the energy inside my body was no longer weird or negative. It was complete bliss and electrifying and or 
was overwhelming, but in a positive way. But I, my soul was like refusing. I was refusing for my soul to pass over. And so it was too much for my brain and my body to even like handle all this positive energy. You know, positive energy can be overwhelming too. It, it, it's not, our bodies are not meant to feel that much positive energy. And towards the end of the article though, I got this warning and I don't know what this means yet. I'm hoping someone out there does, but it was a warning to not even attempt to look for this article again. So I'm not going to, anyone else can, but I'm not going to. Um, and to not search for certain things, I'm not gonna say it on the air, uh, to not search for certain things anymore because essentially I know now that that was Lucifer like getting inside my head because he knows that I passed over to the other side and he was giving me a warning that if I share my story that my life could end and at that time I felt this uh, negative like menacing evil energy behind me and I was afraid to look behind me because I knew something was there after a couple minutes maybe I think it was I don't know I turned around and I didn't physically see anything there but I know something was there so this was at about one o'clock by this time like that all of that took place there's a lot more details but uh, the rest will be in my book. But between one and three o'clock, I continued to battle to keep my soul inside of my body. And I ended up, I, I can't talk about this too much because um, of my former employment, but I was with two clients at that time. And my spirit guides or different souls, I'm assuming they were my spirit guides, were talking through their body and I had a full 50-minute conversation with both of these people. And I told them straight out, my twin flame journey is part of this, that I was not going to leave my twin flame behind in this world, even though we weren't together at that time. We're not now. Uh I refused eternal bliss because I just could not fathom to keep her in this world by herself. And I didn't even get a choice. I, I just demanded, I'm not going, I'm not going, I'm not going. The second client I had, his face started to distort in the spirit. This is weird because the spirit guide in this one was not an adult. And I don't know what that means either, but they became very childlike. And, but the his face started to uh, distort. I know that. And I think it was talking about my past. I don't think I know. 
it was making sense of my past traumas and why I went through them. Because I know now, Jeff, when I get to my life review that I had to go through all of that stuff in order to become a therapist. You know, I, I don't know how I rose from that adversity, but I did. But anyway, that was like two hours with these clients of conversations with spirit guides. But then, and the energy was always positive and serene. And uh, it was like electricity going through my body from like head to toe. And I could feel like every single like uh, neuron or in like my fingertips, everything. But it got to a point I could not go on with the rest of my workday. So I emailed our reception and my supervisor to have the nurses come to my office. And by the time the nurses got there, I was already on the floor. I don't remember falling, but I was already on the floor. So I don't remember maybe 15 seconds. Were you unconscious? My body started to contort to become like rock-like and rigid. And I was trying to meditate that entire time, deep breathing. I was trying to keep myself calm. Man, I thought it was going to go the whole time. So crying. I clenched my eyes shut the entire time when I'm on the ground because any show I've ever watched, I always hear people talking about they see this white light and then they pass on. And so I refused to open my eyes because I didn't want to see a bright light and I'm crying and I'm trying to calm myself down. And then can you see my hands? I Mm. never know what part of me you can see. So my hands, specifically my right hand, got so, uh, it started to get painful and it was um, tight and rigid and like rock-like. And I told the nurse, I said, please try and lift my fingers up. I said, it's, they're starting to, I mean, I guess contort. I don't know what other name it would be for it. And she grabbed my fingers and she couldn't budge them. And I said, you don't. And I know this sounded so. I know this entire time that I sounded psychotic and delusional. And that's why it's so hard to talk about this, because I I know it sounds not real. But in that moment, I told the nurse, I said, you don't understand. I have this negative energy in in my hand. I said, you need to grab it and pull it out. And I don't know how I knew that. I just, my soul knew it. And she did it, I would imagine, just to appease me. But as soon as she did this, Jeff, and she went like this, I was completely fine. That's when I knew that I could 
telepathically would be the best word that I could find for it. I knew that I could telepathically because I was between two worlds. I mean, I was in and out of the spiritual realm and the con and, and the 3D dimension. I could control the energy in my body. And every single time my body would contort again. And I'm talking my my left foot, part of my leg, my left hand, my right hand again. I just calmly quieted my thoughts and said, it's just negative energy. Just release it. And it worked every single time after that. However, I started to get this... Uh, heaviness in my chest not my heart it wasn't my heart it was I think it was my soul and I refused like medical intervention even during this time because I I know it was God I didn't see God I know it was God's voice but he kept saying Chris all you need is water and air. So I kept repeating that to the nurse and to um, my supervisor who was in there. But then they became so worried about me. They, the One of the nurses took my blood pressure and I was roughly 200 something over 110 ish. And I kept saying, don't call 911, but at one point I knew that me meditating and controlling the energy in my body wasn't doing it anymore. And I knew, I knew that 911 had to be called. And so I said, yes, call 911. They probably would have anyway at that time. But then that's when they called 911 and the paramedics came and the fire department came and This is when I'm going to be talking about some things that are not going to seem real. And, but I, I promise you all of my conversations that I've had and everything I'm telling you today, Jeff, everyone can corroborate my stories. And, when the paramedics and the fire department arrived, I didn't see them as the paramedics and the firefighters because their voices didn't match their bodies. And I kept saying that out loud to them. The spirit guides were talking through their bodies and having conversations with me. And I kept saying a couple things all I need is water and air. I know that I'm dying and I'm not going anywhere. Please don't take me. And they all assume I'm talking about just the paramedics and fire department not taking me to the hospital. That's not what I was talking about. I was like demanding the spirit guides not to take me because I didn't want to go. In. I have much to do. There's too much that I want to do in this world. I was not ready to go and I refused. And so I didn't trust them. I wouldn't even let 
them come into my office for a point of time. And they were all trying to convince me that everything was going to be okay. But again, I was talking with my spirit guides at this point. And the best way I can describe the next couple hours now is it was like being in the Truman Show where everyone knew what was going on in that office except for me, like all of my spirit guides talking through these people knew exactly what was going on and that I was the last to know. Have you ever watched the Truman Show? God, please say you have. Yeah. My whole entire life was like this big play and act and everyone else knew what was going on because this is when I had my life in review. Can I get into that? Sure. I'm not very good at this. So I don't, I'm, I'm really trying to find the right words to explain a very cosmic and extraordinary six hours of my entire life, which was the realest moment of my entire life. But my life in review happened like that. Mm-hmm. But what I saw and learned was years. And I don't know how that's possible. So my life in review physically happened in a, the 3D dimension as a flash, but my soul saw my life in review play backwards. And the best way I can explain it is like a movie rewinding from the end to the beginning. And starting from that day. So it started to like play backwards and every single person I ever met in my life everything good that happened, everything bad that happened. My trauma came into play. My repressed memories, which I felt in my soul was real my entire life, but I couldn't consciously, I, they got brought up and confirmed that those certain things happened. Um, Every deja vu moment I've ever had, not only every every deja vu moment I've ever had, but what they meant, every synchronicity. But the hard part was everything I've done or said to people and how I hurt them got brought up into play too and everything for the first time in my life everything made sense. And to me in that moment, I was like, God is preparing me to cross over so that I don't carry over like any unanswered questions or because after the life in review, I felt even more at peace. I didn't think that was possible. But for the first time in my life, everything made sense and I was okay with it. I was at peace with the harm that people have caused me. I didn't have resentments anymore. Um, I learned to unconditionally love 
with boundaries. I learned to forgive, but I learned that forgiveness doesn't mean forgetting. So during this life in review, I had I have hundreds of life lessons that I need to talk about. And I'm going to do that over the next course of time. But Jeff, they're, they're life lessons that the world needs to hear because I know that they're going to uh, instill hope and eliminate fear. It's going to teach people how to be resilient. It's going to teach people how to quiet their thoughts in order to listen to their gut instinct, which I learned, God confirmed our gut instinct, that intuition, that's our soul. So, but choice is man-made. And if we don't listen to our gut instinct, if we go against it, then our path, our divine path and soul purpose, we deviate from it. I mean, it took me 42 years to get to my sole purpose. And I learned in my life review that I've destroyed a lot of lives. But I'm so sorry. Not. not with malice intent, nothing malicious like that, but because I didn't trust my gut instinct three quarters of my life. I hurt people in the long run and had I just trusted my gut right away, I would have saved them the heartache. And even though my life review Everything made sense. It was still hurtful to know how much pain that my actions have caused on to others. In my life review, I learned I've learned that I didn't act on my gut instinct because I didn't have any self-worth. And part of this was I grew up in a time where kids are supposed to be seen and not heard. I grew up into a very uh, Catholic and Christian religion. And my family, I mean, my, my some of my best memories are with my grandparents. However, I identify as pangender and pansexual. And so therefore, I spent 42 years of my life in this like cognitive dissonance of being taught that I'm going to hell simply for who I am, simply for who I love or what my soul is. And yet I literally save lives for a living and go out of my way to to try and help people. And regardless of me not acting on my gut, I always tried to do the right thing regardless, but a lot of the times it wasn't the right thing. So 
I had zero self-worth. I didn't value my voice. I thought I was going to hell. I self-loathe myself, to be honest with you, Jeff, for definitely in my 20s. And I even, oh, this is so hard to admit. I had this internal homophobia. Me. And I didn't know what was going on at the time, but I had projected my self-hatred on to other LGBTQ people. But that's because I hated myself. And I didn't know how to think for myself. So I just believe what other people told me. So I'm going to hell. Um, I must be a bad person. But throughout the years, and this is all part of my life in review. Is it getting too long? No. Okay. Um, throughout the years, I've learned to think for myself. And in 2009, I had, I lost someone that I really cared about a lot. And this person was killed in the military. And because of my insecurities and my self-loathing, resentments, just not a healthy person at that time, uh, after that loss, I took a hard look in the mirror. And I devoted from that day on I'm done playing the victim because my trauma, my past, it's not going to be an excuse anymore. And so this was all part of my life in review. That's why I said it happened in the flash. Since 2009, I started so hard to hold myself accountable and to trust my soul. I'm not perfect. I didn't listen to it a lot and I continue to hurt people. But after that life in review, God told me that he loved me. And regardless of my gender and sexuality, he said, Chris, I, I didn't see God. I heard his voice. How do I know it was his voice? It's not into it. I feel it. I know it was God because he said, Chris, I wasn't the one throwing the Bible. And I knew what that meant because I literally and metaphorically had the Bible thrown at me my entire life. And when he said, Chris, I wasn't the one throwing the Bible, that was his forgiveness for all of my sins. Jeez, Jeff, I'm so sorry. You're doing fine for what? No, I, I, I didn't think it was gonna be this emotional. Um, I knew that he loved me and that I, that I was going to heaven, and that was confirmation for me. And uh, my earring just fell out. Sorry. Um, after he said that to me. 
I don't know if I sat up or I dropped to my knees, but as soon as I said that, or as soon as he said that, I telepathically, it's not like I was hearing auditory hallucinations. I'm not like, this was telepathic, like these conversations. And well, except for the ones with the spirit guides, I was talking out loud to them in front of all the paramedics and stuff. That's why they thought I was off my rocker. But when I told God that I do not want to leave my body, I refuse to pass over. I have too much I want to do. And he said that at the same time was, Chris, I wasn't the one throwing the Bible. I start, my body started violently vomiting and rejecting all of these black substances, which I know now was the infection, the toxins that have spread, that spread to my blood. And he got rid, he started, that wasn't the end of the black substances. I, I think it was a paramedic that grabbed the garbage can, but I just like it violently started coming out and it would just kept on coming. And I decided at that point to trust God essentially that he was going to keep his end of the deal. And I was going to keep my end of the deal, which was he told me I have three purposes in this life. I have to carry those through because that's the reason why he saved me. My first purpose is to share my story, regardless of how afraid I am to share it. He also wants me to write a book. And through those two, he told me I'm going to the third save lives. And That's why he saved me. So I have to push through my fears because he told me any thoughts that come in my head, the fear is just Lucifer. I know that sounds so crazy, but he said that any thoughts that has anything to do with fear or self-doubt or resentment or anything negative that's going to keep you from doing anything, that's just Lucifer. You've got to quiet those thoughts and just keep thinking of your divine mission and your divine purpose. And my soul, this is confirmed with my near-death experience, is that my soul chose the twin flame journey. So my soul split into two halves, hence the term twin flame. I'll talk about that in my book. But my soul's purpose the ultimate achievement was self-worth and to value my voice, to be confident, and to learn how to unconditionally love people with boundaries and to just forgive. And no matter how they treat you, you just respond with kindness and love. And, and I feel like through my twin flame journey, which was brutal, nothing about it was pleasurable. It was brutal. If I can walk away from my twin flame, whom I 
unconditionally love. I mean, my twin flame, that's my soul. It's my other half of my soul. And if I can walk away from that person because of how they treated me, I did it. I, I found myself worse. And I now know I am probably one of the luckiest people in this world to be able to figure out what their sole purpose is, to find meaning and purpose in everything. I know now that pain is inevitable, that it's a part of life, and that no matter what I go through at any time, that pain is temporary, and I'm going to find meaning and purpose. Like These things are what God is telling me and confirming with me with what I think I already felt inside, to be honest. And I'm getting off track. I got to go back to the black vomiting because I eventually trusted God then and the spirit guides that since I agreed to carry out his mission, that he was going to, I mean, I guess, carry on his half of the deal and to keep me alive. So I decided to have what I thought were the spirit guides take me to the hospital. And there was a gurney outside in the hallway waiting for me. And there's a guy to my right on me or to the right side of me. He put his hand out and I grabbed his hand and I said, please take care of me. Don't let me die. And I got on the gurney and it was like floating on a cloud. I still had all positive energy this entire time, too. There's no fear, no anxiety, nothing. It was all serene and bliss and overwhelmingly positive. So as I'm floating down the hallway, down the elevator, the parking lot, like it, it wasn't bumpy at all. I literally felt like I was just gliding on a cloud. And... Unfortunately, as soon as I got into the ambulance, this is when I had what I believe is an out-of-body experience in that I died at one point because my memory stopped. When I was in the back of the ambulance, I might have been in there for 10 seconds. All of a sudden, my, my um, consciousness, which now I know is my soul i don't know how else to explain it but like the way that we the way that we think like our personality that's our soul our body is just a capsule for our soul to inhibit while we all try and find our divine purpose which i also learned jeff that Souls are lined up waiting to get into physical embodiment. There's a purpose for everyone here. But if we make our choices based on our head, Lucifer, our thoughts, emotions, fear, we're never going to find it. We got to listen to our gut and our soul. And so my consciousness, it felt super high up. In the universe, I don't know how to explain this. I don't think I did a very good job last time. But geographically, 
I was in the top of the ambulance looking down and I saw my body and there was a female paramedic behind me and a male paramedic to the left of me. And I saw myself like within probably 10 seconds, 15 seconds of being in there, my body just started to violently reject all the black substance again, nonstop to the hospital, the entire way I saw it all. And the two paramedics were just passing back an empty bag to the guy over here. And then he would get rid of the full bag of black toxins and they just passed it back and forth. I, the hospital ride, I don't think was that long, maybe 10 minutes. But I don't know how a 115-pound person can eliminate that much toxins while refusing IVs. And I still refused medical intervention in the ambulance because God kept telling me, water and air, that's all you need, water and air. I don't know why yet. I don't know why he kept saying that. Like, why? Because in my head, I'm like, why wouldn't he want me to get medical intervention then if he's going to hold his end of the deal to save me? But I think I didn't need it because he, I don't think the hospitals could have saved me, Jeff. I think, I mean, I don't know anything about blood infections, bone infections, but my ex, she had a bone infection for five weeks and she had to get her toe amputated to prevent it from spreading to the blood. How the heck did I have one growing up here for almost a year, so close to my brain, and it spread to my blood? And the only reason why, I mean, got that emergency surgery, things happen for a reason, God, my twin flame, accidentally nailed me in the head and that exploded my infection. I couldn't avoid the pain anymore. I had to get it taken care of. So anyway, I was watching myself throw up the entire time. But as soon as we arrived at the hospital, and this is where I'm going to need you guys for help, because I don't know anything about this stuff. And it's kind of scary to think about because I have zero memory now. I could no longer... Let me back up. I have no memory of the 3D physical world anymore. I couldn't see my body. I didn't see myself going to the hospital. I was up. My soul was, I think I was dead because my soul and my consciousness, I mean, I don't know if it was heaven. I It looked more like the universe than Heaven, and I'm going to tell you right now, your background, Jeff, is really giving me like deja vu moment of what I experienced when my consciousness was up in, I guess I'll just say the universe, but it wasn't blue. This is going to sound so This is going to sound so, so there's a bunch of purples, darks, and lights, and 
but the background was like stagnant and solid. But then around me, it like it felt like my soul was like floating. I didn't see any beings. Like everyone talks about, oh, I saw God, I saw this person. I heard my grandpa on my father's side who passed. And I also heard my grandma on my mom's side who passed during my life in review, but also up in the universe, I guess. But, and again, I had a lot of conversations with God and spirits, but I didn't see any bodies. I just saw So white lights and in the middle was a solid white light and on the outside was more see-through and then like sparkles at the end and they at times would just like hover around me. I couldn't see any of my body. I just knew my, like I didn't even see like a white light that it was just my consciousness. That's it. But they would hover and we would talk telepathically. And at times they would like zip past me in the best way I could explain it. I didn't talk about it. I don't think in any of you might be the first person I'm telling. Because the best way to explain it, I'm trying to help the audience out there. The, the best way for me to explain it, and I know it sounds really weird, but like Tinkerbell from Peter Pan, except there was no fairy. It was just the light where it would like hover around me sometimes. And then at other times it, it, would, it would zoom, but not all of them were talking to me either. But this is when a lot of other life lessons happened for me. And I don't know how to explain this, Jeff, but it felt like I was up there for years because the amount just everything that happened it felt like over 10 years and it sounds so absurd but I learned that time is man-made here God told me that time is man-made 60 seconds in a minute 60 minutes in an hour, 24 hours in a day, 365 days in a year. It's nothing. That's just for here. Because my six hours of my near-death experience this entire time fighting for my life would have been hundreds of years in the spiritual realm, in the fifth, sixth dimension. And I know that sounds odd, but time is man-made. It doesn't exist once our soul so it felt like over 10 years that i was up there but i have no idea the amount of time from the ambulance into the er i don't know what the man-made time was it might have been 15 minutes 30 minutes i have no idea but all i remember is consciously coming back like my soul coming back to my body and it was like you know when you stand up fast and you will see like white dots and you get kind of dizzy 
Like that's exactly what it felt like when my soul, my consciousness reunited back in my body. And I knew I was fully alive again because I felt zero bliss anymore. And for a a second, I thought to myself that I just make the biggest mistake of my life to reject eternal bliss for this. But I know those are the times I really need to focus on my near-death experience because it's the realest thing that's ever happened to me in my entire life. And I know there's going to be a ton of critics and skeptics. I don't care. I share my story. That's, that, that's, that's all God told me to do. Share my story. What other people believe is totally on them. But I tell you what, I have zero fear of death anymore. And I know I'm not going to hell, regardless of my gender, regardless of my sexuality doesn't matter. God cares about our souls. That's not an excuse for us to treat our bodies like crap. I mean, I'm 15 years in recovery. I say I'm 12 years in recovery because that's when my mind got sober in 2009. When I took a long, hard look in the mirror and it was hard. It's always easy to point the finger at other people. It's hard to point it inside. It's hard to hold yourself accountable and to take control of your thoughts and your reactions. But this is when I have to tell myself that there is a divine purpose and I made a deal with God. No matter how scary it gets when I share my story, no matter how many skeptics like ridicule me or do whatever, I have to ignore it. Because that's the deal I made. He kept his end of the deal because here I am. I was discharged after an hour of admittance from the hospital as a medical miracle. When I talked with the doctor at the end, it looked like he saw a ghost. He didn't know how to explain anything. He said, when I got to the hospital, I was 100% perfect. And I said, what? You need to talk to the paramedics, the fire department, the two nurses, my supervisor. He did, which is why he looked like he saw a ghost. But they had nothing to keep me on. My heart was perfect. And in fact, after this, I no longer have any biopsychomedical conditions. I, I no longer have anxiety unless it's about sharing my story, but that's just Lucifer trying to keep me from sharing my story. So I don't do it because we normally, if we're anxious about something, we want to avoid it. I know it's only been about a little over two months, but how have you changed now since your experience? Well, I didn't realize that there was after effects until I talked with Bill Guggenheim, who's the father of after death communication, him and I, he talked to me for 90 minutes last week, Wednesday. He's my total, 
total godsend because he helped me through and understand some of my after effects. There's a lot of positive, but there are some negative. I did write them down. Can I say some of them? Yeah, I'd like to hear about those actually. Okay, so I, the positive ones, I feel more connected with my soul. Like I feel like this um, connection with God in this divine realm, I guess. I no longer have fear of death. I, let's see. I've let go of resentments. And even if, I mean, I'm, I'm still like, I, I feel like I'm a rookie because the near-death experience was just two months ago and I'm, I'm, I'm not perfect yet. But so my initial reaction when someone hurts me might be like anger, but I've, I've learned it's, it's okay to feel angry, but it's not okay to be cruel. And so you unconditionally love someone and understand that how they treat us is their own stuff. It's their own journey. It's their own soul's journey. So I, I have no fear of death anymore, which is huge because I've been thinking about my soul purpose since I was in kindergarten, which I'll talk about in my book. Um, some of these things I talked about already, forgiving always, act with kindness. I never thought about this until I talked with Bill. He told me that being more generous is part of it. And when he said that, I I named off like three quick examples. And when I'm in Starbucks, instead of just buying the one car behind me, I'm now buying for every single car behind me that is behind me. And once I arrive at the window, um, there's anytime I see, I would imagine this guy is homeless. I've seen him three times. He's outside the gas station asking for food and soda. Um, to be honest with you, before my near-death experience, I might have said no. I don't know. Now I always say yes because he's not asking for money. He's asking for soda and food. So I always buy it. I always buy more than what he asks for. Um, there was another person outside of Walgreens wanting to play his guitar and asking for money before my near-death experience, to be honest with you, Jeff. I probably would have kept on walking in because I'm just so busy with my day and don't have time to even stop for five seconds. I sat for 10 minutes and chatted with him and listened to his song and threw in 10 bucks. So I, I'm more at peace and serene and full of love. And I feel like I feel the divine here in that I know, I know that there's a meaning and purpose for me. And I can't let my fear stop and deviate me away from that path because God told me that if we're going to reach self-actualization, suffering is the only path to get there. And for me, that makes sense. Didn't Jesus Christ sacrifice for all of us because he loved us? And so if we want to get to our purpose, we have to suffer. All of our suffering is going to look different depending on what our divine purpose is. But I learned that everyone has their own journey and to not take anything personal because who knows where they are on their journey. They might be stuck in this karmic world of fear and insecurities. 
but I've had some negative after effects. I've noticed some electricity changes that I've never, I've been in my loft since February and I've never had any issues until after my near-death experience. And I have noticed that if I'm in a higher stress state that um, certain lights will start to flicker and my TV will go on when it shouldn't because the remote's nowhere by me. But I know in those moments when the electricity shortages happen, I get in tune with my soul again and I like start to meditate and just be mindful and calm myself. As soon as I get rid of any thoughts inside in my head, the electricity is fine. This one I'm afraid to talk about. So I've not had any problems with negative entities. Never saw ghosts or spirits or anything like that. But uh, I've seen a black mass figure three times. And I did get some advice from an expert in the field about how to handle that and it's helping. I also have a Bible on my nightstand now. Um, so that's getting better. But I think the number one negative effect for me, which is the worst is the extreme amount of loneliness that I feel going from such an extraordinary phenomenon and bliss and energy inside of me to coming back to this world where no one's 50% of people probably won't even believe me. Um, but I don't know who to talk to about it because I don't know who can relate. And I just feel unbelievably lonely because this, it doesn't compare to what I felt. But I know, again, I have to focus on my divine mission. But I'm still adjusting. It just happened two months ago. I might feel this way two years from now. I have no idea. But it's just so lonely. Have you tried to reach out to anybody from the IONS group? I went to the webpage. I know they have a conference. I don't know if it happened either July or September. Um, I haven't written anybody yet. I don't know what to say. Mm -hmm. I printed off letters for my medical providers because they have a letter there that you can give them. Thankfully, my providers believed me, which was so afraid to tell them about it because they're grounded in science. But that's why I think, of course, everything happens for a reason. I landed with them. They absolutely believed me. So, no, I, I haven't reached out to someone, but I just don't, I, I don't, I don't know. I guess this is how I'm, this is how I'm connecting. Cause I'm hoping that the people that hear me can help me make sense of some of this stuff. Yeah, I hope so too. A lot of people watch the podcast and hopefully some of our more experienced NDE people will reach out to you and help you. 
I don't think I did a very good job describing of like that, that blissfulness. It was very warm and tingly and it was uh, serene, blissful. Like, what does that even mean though? Right? Like words don't describe it. Mm -hmm. It was, it was euphoria that humans are not meant to feel. That's how overwhelming it was. Yeah, I find it fascinating when you first said it earlier in your podcast, you were kind of mentioning that, that humans weren't meant to feel or maybe we, we, we can't feel it within this body. Maybe on this dimension, we can't even comprehend it. It's not even possible. Only when you leave this um, dimension can you can you actually be in that state of euphoria. Yes, you nailed it. And I've had another guest tell me that actually our exist that is our normal existence. Being over there is our normal existence and euphoria is our normal existence. Being here True. is the weird existence and the True. unhappy existence. That's one of the millions of life lessons I learned is that our souls are remember they're infinite. Mine I learned two numbers, 28 and 80. So those two numbers stood out for me. I'll describe what they mean in my book, 28 and 80. But I did learn our souls are infinite. So that guy, I'm going to confirm with him right now that that's what was confirmed with me too, is that our time on this earth, we can't waste it because there's souls lining up to get into physical embodiment to learn life lessons. And that's why, and I'm getting goosebumps now. Can you see it? I learned too that spirit is going past my body and I get goosebumps unless I'm cold. But we can't waste our time here because we would have just wasted all the time our soul was waiting to get into physical embodiment. Like, why are we going to waste our time on fear and not do things that we're afraid of or because we're afraid to be judged? Just Stay true to your soul. And the only way you can do that is to quiet the thoughts. Mm -hmm. We have to make our time on this earth count. Yeah. And the amazing thing is, is that you already know your purpose now. But I'm suffering. But you know what? In my book, we'll talk about how much suffering I'm going through mm -hmm. to get there. But that's part of the path God told me. We, we have to suffer. And you'll heal. Right. And, but anyways, as yes. I was saying, you're only 42, you know, your purpose and bodies are supposed to last to 120. So you've got 60 good years to do amazing things. I like that silver lining. I hope I don't make it to a hundred though. hundred. Well, like I said, as far as I understand, science says body should last to about 120. So actually, I was wrong on my calculations. You've got 80 good years to do a mate. Wait, yeah, eight and four, it's 12. Yeah, 80 good years to do amazing <laughs> things. Well, I, I I, honestly have like just so much to, to share and I know it's going to help people. I think you just need to sort out all your experience. Have you started writing your book? Uh, I'm, I've been documenting since May 19th of yeah. everything. Every detail. And I think another one of my experiencers told me that it, it helps to write everything down. It helps you to kind of sort out your memories. If you are a public person and if people want to reach out to you and talk about your NDE, how do they reach out to you? 
if you're interested. I'm always interested. I have to keep my end of the deal. So it could be Facebook. You're on Facebook is Christina Marie. Yes, Christina Marie, which is not very original. Right. There's a lot. Right. There's a lot. I'm sure that they'd be, if they just search you and see your picture, they should be able to find you. Yeah. And, and I'm in Wisconsin. And so in Wisconsin. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, before we wrap it up, do you have one last positive message you can give everyone? Only one? Only one. Okay. All we have to do is act with love and kindness and be the best version of ourselves. And we have nothing to fear about that then. Just be kind and show love. That's it. Thank you for that message. All right, Christina, enjoy the rest of your day and I wish you the best. I appreciate you. Thank you so much for letting me come on. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.